Media Day and training camps have now opened for most teams around the NBA. On today's episode, we're going to talk about a couple of specific teams and some of the things that come out their Media Day and training camp so far. Daryl Morey has laid out great optimisms for the 76ers season, and after some initial doubt, James Harden did report to training camp. We're going to talk about that and some of the excitement and expectations around the Phoenix Suns and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi's contract extension situations with the Toronto Raptors. We're going to get into all that and more right after this. Welcome to the number one place for your daily basketball news and analysis, NBA Central. What's going on, basketball fans? Welcome to another episode of NBA Central, your number one spot for everything basketball-related. I'm the host here, Hayes, but more importantly, you guys can follow the channel at NBA Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into the content for the day. And first up, we're going to be talking about the training camp, well, media day, mostly, but then we're going to talk about some with training camp for the Phoenix Suns. I'm sorry, the Philadelphia 76ers. And so, um... Dar Mori on Media Today said this. There's a lot of optimism and excitement about the season here in this building. And here's the thing with Dar Mori, right? I know his job is to spin things as positively as possible. But when he said that quote, when he made that quote, there was some doubt around the league of if James Harden was actually going to even report for Philadelphia 76ers training camp. Now, he did end up reporting today. And so that's a positive in that. Patrick Beverly having this to say after James Harden did report. Happy, I mean, like I said, I continue to say it's hard to replace or get anything that symbolizes James Harden, so hell yeah. Uh, We're catching a vibe here. You know we're opening him up with, uh, we're opening him up with open arms. Obviously, things that have have a deal with players in the upper office is kind of out of our hands, but as far as teammates, hell yeah, we can't wait to see him. So, you know, James Harden is expected to be at training camp, Um, and so shout out to him there. You know, like I said, there was some doubt. And, you know, you want to take care of business. But as we know with James Harden, even if he does and when he does show up to training camp, that could just be the start of the absolute shit show that is James Harden, right? And I just got to be frank on that. We'll see how it ends up shaping out. We know James Harden is somebody who, you know, when he wants his way out, he'll find a way to force his way out. Now, Daryl Morey are uh, saying as far as the optimism and excitement around the Philadelphia 76ers season says this. Now we start with we have the MVP. We have one of the great up-and-coming players in Tyrese Maxey in the league. We've got winning players in Tobias and Melton. we got additions we love in Pat Beverly, Kelly Oubre, and Mo Bamba. we got young, great players like Paul Reed. We come in here every day, and we feel like we're going to show the league that this team can win. Now, there have been some very big doubts that we've had. You guys know Steve-O. You've seen the video Steve-O drops on this channel. There are doubts right now around what the 76ers can do, right? And have the 76ers done enough necessarily to convince uh, Joel Embiid to stay. And that has to be something that they are eventually going to have to switch their gears to. Regardless of what happens with James Harden or not, you have to keep Joel Embiid happy. Now we saw, for example, the Milwaukee Bucks. They made a move, a big move, in bringing in Dame Lillard to keep Giannis Antetokounmpo happy. And they're going to have to, the, the, the Philadelphia 76ers could be in a similar situation here soon when it comes to Joel Embiid. Right now, whatever happens with James Harden, reportedly he's really trying to force his way to the Los Angeles Clippers uh, it came out yesterday as well that they've had some talks recently, but nothing right now is on the precipice of happening. That comes from from Rolls, um, so we'll see what ends up happening with that. But at the end of the day, right, I, I do think that James Harden is probably is going to be traded. Now, they couldn't get it done by training camp. It may not happen until the trade deadline as well, but I do think that at some point, uh, they're going to have to move James Harden. I think he's going to, you know, James Harden's going to use some of his old tactics to force his way out. I think that is coming down the pipeline. 
But it's good, you know, Daryl Morey's not going to come in and say, hey, we're worried about losing Joel Embiid, right? But I th- really, it really does. Like, I always compare Daryl Morey really with a used car salesman. He's going to try to sell you in whatever you can, right? And sometimes he's going to get some results, right? Sometimes he's going to get some results. Other times, you're going to really look at it and say, hey, what, what are we doing here, right? And so that's what it comes down to it. You know, at the end of the day, if James Harden wants to, and he doesn't want to miss out on any money, he was always going to report to training camp. But that, like I said before, at the opening of the show, that may just be the start of the absolute crap show that could be this Philadelphia 76ers season. And really, when you look at the fact that, you know, they came into last season with big expectations and they've gotten passed up. The Boston Celtics have gotten better, right? Considerably better. I would say a very thin bench, but that starting five is pretty heavy, right? The Milwaukee Bucks got clearly better and fixed one of their issues as well when you look at the Giannis Wall and adding Dame Lillard to that team, right? And you have a team that's clipping on their heels, like the Cleveland Cavaliers that, you know, you know they are Evan Mobley, our young player, taking another step away from being that next team that you can look to compete and come out the Eastern Conference in the for the finals. So, you know, you have that, right? And, you know, God forbid any of these other teams do make a substantial move as well. The Philadelphia 76ers could be passed up yet again so they really have to look at what they're going to do with the future of Joel Embiid and you know I don't know I I, I Joel Embiid seems like a loyal guy and I know Dara Mori is going to try to do everything that he can but what has he really done right and yes Tyrese Maxey is one of the more promising young players in the league Paul Reed is a solid young player right they did add Kelly Oubre Jr. who I'm not too extremely high on but hey maybe maybe they can uncover something he can score the ball right with high volume but he can score the ball so you know, there are some things down there, and we'll see, right? How does Mo Bamba end up playing out for them as well? But right now, I can't say that I'm overly too high on the Philadelphia 76ers. But, hey, as you know, guys, let me know down below what are your thoughts right now on the Philadelphia 76ers and where they could rank in the East with all the improvements around. And is that James Harden implosion coming? Let me know what you guys think on that. Now, one of the other teams that's made a lot of moves this offseason, initially last season getting Kevin Durant, trading for Bradley Bill in the offseason, then moving DeAndre Ayton to get you know a package of players back and add some depth to that team as well. They are also coming in with this, but one of the biggest questions with them is how are they going to? What are they going to be defensively? Well, head coach Frank Vogel on media day for the Phoenix Suns said this: "We've got a group that has a great scheme and very intelligent defensive scheme. Guys will will be very well prepared game to game, so the ceiling is very high on what we can be on the defensive side of the ball. But the guys got to put in the work." Uh, it's amazing. Uh, well, that's a quote from Bill. We'll talk about that here in a second. But so we know what the Phoenix Suns on paper can be offensively. And a team like I look at it similarly to the to the Brooklyn Nets team when they had Harden and Kyrie and 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 uh and KD, right? That was a team that also had a very high ceiling offensively. That honestly, when all three of them were on the court, were amazing offensively per all the advanced analytics, right? And while the Phoenix Suns also were a team with book. Bill and KD are shaping up to be another team that can absolutely be a great offensive team in this league. You know, got some questions about who's going to get the ball, only so many balls to go around, who's going to facilitate, who may take a step back to make others better, right? Are they going to play the you get your quarter, I get my quarter, whatever it ends up being, right? If they can strike their balance offensively, we know what that ceiling is offensively for that team. Now, one of the bigger questions is when it comes into that is what is the defensive potential of that team? And that is where the question lies for a person like me, right? I I, I look at what this team can be defensively, right? KD has had times where he's been a really good defender. Uh, Devin Booker, a good team defender at times, right, in certain schemes and things like that. Josh Okoge, uh, you know, you, you look at there, there may be some questions there, but if this team can defensively lock in, right, and as much as they're going to have to sacrifice 
for each other on the offensive side of the ball to make sure that everybody gets theirs, if they can also learn to sacrifice and give that consistent effort and energy on the defensive side of the ball, you know, I'm not going to say that they can be an amazing defense, top 10 defense or anything like that, but with the with the offensive potential that they have, it really comes down to can they play good enough defense when the pressure is on and they face a team and they have to get stops against a team that also is pretty damn good offensively and maybe even has some gives them some fits defensively. If that team can do that, that's where you can really start seeing the ceiling, I think, of what this Phoenix Suns team is, right? And I do think that they're going to have to find something, some type of rhythm, sometimes a type of give and go, some ability to consistently get stops when needed defensively if they want to really be that championship contender. Now, I think either way, right, they can come out of the Western Conference, whether that defense works out or doesn't. I really do think that they can make it out the West, right? But to really win that championship and to lock that in and to not have some of your potential defensive uh, liabilities exposed, you have to be able to come up. And Coach Frank Vogel is going to have to come up with a a great defensive scheme for them. He's just going to have to, right? And we've seen it. We've seen teams that don't necessarily have the best one-on-one defensive pieces still be able to put together a solid team defense, right? For example, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. As most of you guys know, you probably follow me from Chicago Bulls Central, the the, 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 the podcast that started all this, right? Um, But, you know, while the Chicago Bulls don't have the best one-on-one defensive weapons or even half-court weapons, they were able to put together a top five defensive efficiency team, right? Now, we know that they didn't have the wins, and some of that was by the limitations of that team and, you know, them not always being able to step up when somebody needed a basket, things like that. But, like, with the with the offensive level that this team can already have and the generational talent that they have on this team, right? If you can get if you can play defense good enough and if you can get these players to buy in to what they need to do defensively to get to the ultimate goal, we end up seeing what they can be defensively, right? Like I said, I have my doubts. I share my 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 fair share of doubts around this team, but you just never know, right? But Bradley Bill, who joined the team, said this as well. It's amazing to be part of this. This is easily the best team I've ever been a part of. Um, when And that's what Bradley Bill said on Media Day. And so, you know, yes, this is the best team that Bradley Bill's been a part of. And, you know, him and, for example, like Dame Lillard, they're really joining teams where they are really – they they are, are joining uh, players that really complement what they do, right, as far as, like, having that, 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 that star-level skill. And they haven't really had that consistently in their career. And really, when it comes down to Bradley Bill, especially with, you know, whoever ends up being that point guard for this team and getting those point guard duties right, if they're able to sacrifice. And so – Bradley Bill comes into a situation where KD and Devin Booker have had their time to really build up their chemistry with KD joining that team late last season, right? So they've had a little bit of time to do that. Bradley Bill has to now come in and really kind of be that in-between piece. Not to say that he has to, he's going to be the one that has to sacrifice the most out of his game, but like we know that how the chemistry is going to fit. Bradley Bill has to find his fit with these players as well, and if they can do that, listen, it is what it is. This is not a team that has a true point guard, right? Now, Kevin Durant did speak on this team not having a true point guard. He says this, I don't think you have a true position anything. I think a lot of guys can help play each position now. We've been talking about that the last few years, positionless basketball. Book has brought bought the basketball up his whole career. Brad and myself have done the same thing. I'm sure it'd be done by committee, if anything. So, you know, again, that that theme and, and air of sacrifice that's needed for this team with this collection of talent to really come together. Now, could the Phoenix Suns? you know, go throughout this season and then at some point realize, okay, we tried the point guard by committee. We tried to make it work. Maybe we do need a point guard to bring this all together, right? They could. And, you know, 
They Could they have assets to trade for it? It could get a little difficult and tricky for them, I'm sure. They're going to monitor that buyout market as well for things like that. But listen, it's really up to the players to sacrifice. It's up to the head coach to really find a way to make this team work cohesively. And if this team is all bought in to what they can do and what that ultimate goal is, then maybe they can make it there. But it's really going to take the team to sacrifice to do it. And we're going to see if they can, right? We're going to see if they can. And, you know, I, for one, I'm, I'm excited to see the brand of basketball that they play uh, down in Phoenix because I think that that is going to be just a fun team to watch. Regardless of whatever it is, how far they end up going, I do think that that's going to be a very fun basketball team to watch. And, you know, we'll see. Let me know your guys' thoughts on the defensive potential of the Phoenix Suns down below. All right, before we go as well, we got some updates from the contract situation surrounding the Toronto Raptors. And, you know, the Raptors were a team that was rumored to be in a lot of the trade talks this season, right? When you when you look at it, some of the uh, things that, you know, we talked about in this offseason were, uh, uh, you know, are the Toronto Raptors actually going to break up some of the mon- monotony on that team, right? They have a lot of similar players with similar body styles, similar limitations as well, even though they can play multiple positions. The Toronto Raptors are both a good case point and a negative case point for positionless basketball in a way, right? When you look at how they've just tried to fill out that roster. Now, we know that they they brought in Denise Schroeder to be their starting point guard, right? And we'll see how that ends up working out for them. Schroeder is a player that I think, you know, is more than capable with that type of team to work out, right? They got OG Nanobi, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Jakob Poto, who they traded for last season as well. And then they got players like Malachi Flynn, Gary Trent Jr., Grady Dick, who was their uh, first round pick this year, Chris Boucher, Precious Ashuo. Like, they have players down there. They have depth. Right. But as we've seen sometimes with this Toronto Raptors team, that the depth is cool. The positionless basketball is cool. But when you have players that don't necessarily have defined skills and roles and everybody kind of struggles at shooting at, the, at certain times, you got to find a balance to that. Right. And so, you know, uh, Messiah Jury had this to say in regards to extending two of the players that are on this roster. And that's Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. He says this. We haven't talked extensions yet. Right. And so. You know, that is surprising. Usually, like for me, again, Chicago Bulls fan, our tourist corner show for our basketball, our president of basketball uh, operations, and uh, when asked about the DeMar DeRozan, he said, we're not going to comment on that, right? We want DeMar to be here, but we're not going to comment on it. And then when Pascal was asked about it as well, he added even more kind of, you know, cloudiness to that situation. He says this, I'm under contract. I'm a Raptors player. Uh, that's what I'm focused on. I'm focused on the present. That uh, That is, so, you know, that's, when you hear that, it's not necessarily Sounds positive. Now, you can spend it in saying, hey, the talks are ongoing. They don't really know anything yet. Why comment too much on it when you're in an active contract situation? And, hey, that that's valid as well. You know, you're going to get your positive and negative spins when players say anything that's kind of not definitive and lives in that gray area. But I, I, I think at some point the Toronto Raptors are probably going to look to deal, right? And when you look at teams around the Eastern Conference or any it, around the NBA, really, right, as many players that have moved, as many, you know, new super teams that have formed in, in a way, when you look at the Phoenix Suns, when you look at uh, Boston Celtics, not really new team, but them adding Drew Holiday, right? When you look at Dame being added to the Milwaukee Bucks, they're going to be a team that allows themselves to go through the season and really see how they measure up. And then they they may feel like they need to make a move to try to get back into competition with those other teams. Now, the Toronto Raptors, I'm not going to say hold the key to a team doing that because it really depends on how you look at a player like Pascal, who is not a perfect player by any stretch of the imagination. But if you get Pascal in the right situation and scheme, we know what Pascal can be as both an offense and defensive weapon at times, right? So, and a player that's 29 that may not fit that new timeline, right? 
we don't know if the Toronto Raptors are going to be a team that tries to get older, right, or just get better and maybe willing to add veterans, or are they a team that says, hey, listen, rather than fight and compete for a play-in spot, we're going to trade some of these pieces, increase the value of our own first-round picks, maybe get some picks back better, and then develop a Scotty Barnes with a Grady Dick, right, something like that, right, and Malachi Flint, like, those type of things. So you have to look at that uh, when it comes to the Toronto Raptors. And, you know, the, the fact that there's some cloudiness right now, so to say, around, you know, the uh, the, the future of that roster and what they're going to do, it really comes down to the basketball court. New head coach, right? New point guard in there. A lot of the same pieces, but still nonetheless promising pieces that they have down there, right? Precious is another player that I think as a depth piece is really good for that team. What do you see in Grady Dick and his ability to kind of shoot and stretch the floor and his athleticism, right? So th those type of questions are natural. Now, OG Ananobi was also asked about his contract situation. He was a little bit more confident. He said this, I love Toronto, so I want to be here. Uh, so he, uh, he says he'll let his agency handle the extension. Um, and so, you know, when it comes down to that, that's what we're seeing a lot of players do. It's kind of turning it over to their agency and letting it be what it's going to be. And how that works out is dependent upon whatever happens, right? Um, with the Toronto Raptors, they seem more in on OG Ananobi than maybe a Pascal Siakam, which is fine, right? Pascal Siakam, like I said, 29-year-old player, not old by any stretch of the imagination. But if they're trying to reset that timeline, it may just be outside of what they want to see or maybe think that, you know, by moving a player like Pascal, it opens up more opportunities for a Scotty Barnes, an OG Ananobi. So, you know, those are things you kind of have to monitor and watch as you go forward as well. But like I said, at the end of the day, you know, all things are going to be clear eventually, right? And I think that, you know, teams like the Toronto Raptors, they do try to kind of hesitate to make that big move or, or maybe break some things up. You, you, eventually, you have to make that decision. And that's and that is where the, the the Toronto Raptors may find themselves at a crossroad as early as this trade deadline, depending on where the team sits by that trade deadline. They may sit in a place where they feel like, hey, no, we're good, right? We're going to continue to develop naturally, organically, right? We're going to let that team be what it's going to be. Or they can be in a place where they say, no, nah, let's get back some assets for a Pascal Siakam, right? Let's explore what we can get back for an OG Ananobi. And if the if the price is right, then we feel comfortable moving on from those players. So, you know, that's kind of where you sit at with things like this. You guys can let me know what you guys think on that down below as well. Now, the last team that I want to talk about uh, before we go is the 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 Brooklyn Nets, right? Is this an all-Easter Conference? No, because I also talked about uh, the Phoenix Suns. But like, so when it comes down to it as well, the Brooklyn Nets are another team that, you know, finished their season, I think, with more promise than what a lot of people gave it, right? And you look at uh, at Vaughn coming in, taking over that that uh, head coaching position there, almost was immediate improvements. Then they looked, to, they, then they went ahead and traded Kyrie. They traded KD. And then they really reset that roster with a nice balance of, like, young players with players that have kind of been around the league for a while, but players that still have promise, right? And, you know, I've talked about it before. Uh, uh, Mikel Bridges is one of those players that you, you look at and you say he could absolutely break out this season. 27 years old, right? Averaged over 20 points per game last season, did he, for that team. And then you look at Cam Johnson, right? He's another player that, you know, he, he really blossomed and really kind of stepped into the role. Another player, though, that's 27 years old, right? And so, you know, with with training camp for the Brooklyn Nets, it's really about what this team is going to be, right? And we've heard things like Yaakvon say things like, you know, uh, Ben Simmons and what he's going to be defensively. We got word not too long ago that Ben Simmons is fully healthy and ready to go for on five-on-fives and stuff like that. And so, you know, we'll end up seeing, right? 
uh, Sean Marks and Yakvon in their uh, media day seem really confident on this team right now. And he said that, you know, he's looking forward to the, to the Brooklyn Nets training camp. And he says this, the personnel doesn't change. I think having more strategy into where guys are positioned on the floor, that's going to help us. We'll use Nick to switch at times, then be in our toolbox to use him that way. But then you alternate defensive where he isn't switching. I think it's in our toolbox to be full. That's one thing I will do in training camp is explain to the guys pretty early a lot of what's in the toolbox. So, you know, even saying that it won't necessarily look pretty, right, all the time there. And I think that the Brooklyn Nets, you know, they're going to figure it out, right? And I and I like the team to be that scrappy team that can absolutely make some teams piss off some teams, right? They can disrupt. They can absolutely be disruptors in that Eastern Conference, and that should be what they look to do. Now, as far as Ben Simmons, right, when it comes down to it, you know, th there's a lot of questions around what Ben Simmons is or isn't going to give them, right? And, you know, he asked about being the – the most accomplished player, right? And he says, uh, I ain't been to no finals. Did, did Ben Simmons saying that? So, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to Ben Simmons and that whole drama part of it, you just have to get on the damn basketball court, Simmons. And let's see what it comes out from that. But Ben Simmons, if he can get back to being kind of what he was in Philly at his best, still a very flawed player, but a player that can help bring everything together. And so, you know, Cam Johnson is, very, is another player that's extremely confident on what this team can be as well, and we'll end up seeing if that comes to fruition with this Brooklyn Nets team. But, hey, you know, at the end of the day, like Cam Johnson saying that he looks at him and 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 uh, and, and, um, and Mikael Bridges as Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, right, that that's the inspiration for that that duo. And so Mikael Bridges and what he ends up being um, and what Cam Johnson ends up being as well, they got to put it they got to put it on wax, right? So to say. And so we'll end up seeing what it turns into for this team, but the Brooklyn Nets are another team that are kind of on my league pass teams uh this upcoming year. But hey, let me know what you guys think of all that down below. That's it. That's my time for today, guys. Make sure you guys are following the show at NBA Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, NBA Central Show at gmail.com. And then lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything basketball related. And I'll see you guys the next time I feel like making a video. Bye tomorrow. Peace, y'all. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media.